I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome, everybody, to Rapid Fire. This is your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. You can tune in each week at capegunworks.com or rapidfireradio.us and join the conversation. We would love to have you uh, type into the chat box there. You can also call the Rapid Fire line at 508-444-2120 if you want to be live on the air when we're recording this show. That's 508-444-2120 or text your question to 508-444-2120. Remember to like us and subscribe on, on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks at all the usual suspects, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Telegram, Rumble, and all those good ones, Truth Social, et cetera, et cetera. However, our account is still inactive on Instagram. We got completely Zuckerberged a few months ago, and I don't know if we'll ever recover that page, so our backup is CGW underscore backup. CGW underscore backup. So follow us along there. And we got a great show for you today. There's tons of stuff going on as the fallout of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin continues to break and uh, go forward. We're uh, going to see a lot of legal challenges as a result. We already have um, the Second Amendment Foundation and the Firearms Policy Coalition, which has sued New York City over proper cause requirement of that uh, ruling. So that is exciting. And I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think there's going to be tons of uh, lawsuits over the next 10, 15, 20 years as a result of this ruling. It is really a um, an amazing amount of uh, opportunity, if you will, for pro-gun people to to sue to have their rights restored. The language is broad enough that I think it opens the door for multiple challenges to uh, whether or not you can charge a fee for a license to carry, whether or not you can have restrictions such as training requirements, whether or not there's uh, an ability to, um, you know, require extra steps into issuing that concealed carry permit. Um, I believe that the ruling was really well written and well crafted by, uh, in the majority ruling opinion, as it was drafted and written by uh, Clarence Thomas. Um, And, you know, even some of the concurring arguments uh, by John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh, et cetera, et cetera. There's a couple of disappointments in there as far as I'm concerned that I think are uh, contradictory. Um, Like the fact that Clarence Thomas said that the uh, the 
constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right. Amen. I'm tracking with it all the way along. Subject to an entirely different body of rules than other Bill of Rights guarantees. McDonald 561 U.S. at 780 uh, plurality opinion. The exercise of other constitutional rights do not require individuals to demonstrate to the government officers some special need. The Second Amendment right to carry arms in public for self-defense is no different. New York's proper cause requirement violates the 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms in public. Amen to that. So with all that being said, uh, Justice Kavanaugh wrote in his concurring opinion, I join the court's opinion and I write separately to underscore two important points about the limits of the court's decision. First, the court's decision does not prohibit states from imposing licensing requirements for carrying a handgun for self-defense. And I'm like, well, that, that contradicts what I just read of what uh, Clarence Thomas wrote in the syllabus of the decision that it is not a second-class right and it is not subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights guarantees. So if you don't impose a fee, if you don't sell a license or a permit for any other enumerated right or any of the other Bill of Rights uh, as written, then how can you do that for the Second Amendment right? And I get again, I think this is all going to be challenged legally, but this is uh, very interesting because uh, I, I agree that the Second Amendment is not a is not a second class right, as you know worded so eloquently by Justice Thomas. Um, so if that's the case and you can't charge, it is, it is settled case law and settled Supreme Court decision of Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, U.S. 319-105. It was 1943, and Murdoch versus Pennsylvania was a First Amendment case And it says that a state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right guaranteed by the federal constitution. Page 319, U.S. 113. So the state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted by the federal constitution. And right there, it sounds like a slam dunk. So here, the Supreme Court last week has reaffirmed the individual right to keep and bear arms. And because they have reaffirmed it is an individual right, then Murdoch versus Pennsylvania applies. So Firearms Policy Coalition, Second Amendment Foundation, NRA, Gun Owners Action League, all of the usual suspects, Gun Owners of America, let's go to the states, all of the states. There should be a lawsuit that is expertly crafted and well uh, litigated against any state that would sell you a license in order to exercise your Second Amendment right. 
Tell me what you think. Call or text 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'm no legal scholar. I'm not a law school, uh, a law school graduate. I'm not even, I don't even pretend to be a lawyer. I'm a dumb gun salesman, all right? That's about what I am. I'm as dumb as a bag of rocks when it comes to the second amount, I mean, not the second amount, but to the law of the land. And I've even bounced that whole thought that I just outlined off of several astute lawyers that I value their opinion. And they kind of dismiss it and say like, oh yeah, yeah, that doesn't apply. Well, how doesn't it apply? Tell me how it doesn't apply. Well, there's extra requirements for the for the Second Amendment. Why? Explain it to me. I am I am extremely uh, interested in understanding how that Supreme Court ruling, Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, 1943, that says a state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted by the federal constitution. So explain it to me so that I can understand it, how a state can now sell me a license so that I can enjoy my enumerated right. That's all I ask. That is all I ask. Put it in terms I can understand. I'm sure you guys are would love to know that as well. But we're going to talk to Leah Allen next. She is a candidate for lieutenant governor in Massachusetts. You don't want to miss out. We'll be right back, and we want to thank you for listening to Rapid Fire. So use this week's code. Those of you who are in the know, I see them coming through. You're saving a ton of money at capegunworks.com. Today's code and this week's code is GUNS, G-U-N-S. You will get a special discount on your entire online order. Go to capegunworks.com and use the code GUNS to get your special discount today. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly talk show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I'm really happy to have on the line with us, after a technical difficulty we couldn't get her video on, but uh, Leah Cole Allen, who is running for Lieutenant Governor of Massachusetts. So welcome to the show, Leah. How are you today? Thanks, Toby. I am doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem at all. And why don't you give everybody a quick 
elevator pitch about who you are and why it is you wanted to run for lieutenant governor. Okay, uh, trying to be as quick as possible with this. Um, I am a registered nurse. I'm a mother of two. I'm a wife, and I am a former state uh, representative. I was elected to the legislature when I was 24 um, in the city of Peabody, and that was um, coming off of you know three indicted speakers for corruption, and then uh, the fourth speaker being an unindicted co-conspirator, um, and then. The governor at the time, Deval Patrick, wanted to raise taxes by $8 billion. So I just um, wanted to see more accountability in our state government, um, more transparency of where our tax dollars were going before we ever thought about raising taxes. Uh, so I ran kind of on pretty conservative values, definitely supporting the Second Amendment, um, trying to root out fraud in our welfare system, just um, making, like I said, state government accountable to the people. Um, so I, I was elected at 24. I served about two terms um, in, as a state representative. And then I, I left to go back to my private life, which was a, a registered nurse. I worked at a local hospital. Um, I worked through the pandemic. I worked while I was pregnant when there was no vaccine. I uh, didn't feel that the vaccine was right for me while I was pregnant or nursing. My son, he's only eight months old still. So um, there was no safety data that shows that it's uh, safe for children or really even for the people that have taken it. But um, so um, because of that, I lost my job as a registered nurse and I served with Jeff Steele in the legislature. Um, we worked on a number of things to protect the taxpayers and protect uh, Second Amendment rights. And I saw that he was running for governor and I originally just wanted to come out and support him because uh, I think he would be a great governor. And then the conversation slowly evolved where I thought it was time for me to get involved again because uh, now that I have kids, I just see kind of what's happening to our rights and the overreach of government throughout the pandemic. And I wanted to be able to uh, stand up and push back on some of this um, and try to to get some more conservative principles in the corner office to offset mm. the really super progressive uh, majority of Democrats that we have on Beacon Hill in the legislature. Yeah. I mean, you bring up some amazing points. I mean, the, the fact that you lost your job as a registered nurse during after working through the pandemic as a pregnant woman and even after you have your child and they bring this vaccine mandate down and and want to uh make you get a, a vaccine which obviously the trials and everything else and the the data of what that the ramifications of that aren't even out and yet so you mm-hmm. you you choose this you make an intelligent decision on your own to do what's best for you and your family and you get fired for it. Right. That's amazing. Very disheartening. Yeah. What happened to my body, my choice. Yeah. I guess that only applies to certain issues. I guess so. But anyway, to steer this back on track. um, So you were in the legislature and uh, you said, you know, you supported, um, you know, Second Amendment and whatnot. And obviously this is a Second Amendment show and our listeners are very interested in, uh, you know, Second Amendment supporting politicians. And we've, mm-hmm. we had Jeff Deal on the phone uh, or actually in studio a, a few weeks ago and people got to hear firsthand how he felt about it, how strongly he was. And he said that you also are a very strong, ardent supporter of the Second Amendment. And maybe you could just speak to that a little bit and tell us about uh, your experience with that. Yeah, definitely. So um, we were talking a little bit about that um, before the break was over, but for the listeners, um, 
so admittedly, I, I'm a huge Second Amendment supporter. I'm not a big gun enthusiast, so I, I don't know a lot about guns themselves. But um, I I did, um, I am a licensed, um, I have my Class A license. I, I don't carry every day. but um, And so one of the things that um, I was against when I was in the legislature was the suitability clause that was happening in Massachusetts. Because uh, when I applied for my Class A before I went into politics, um, in Peabody, I was I was denied. Um, I was given a, a restricted. Oh. Uh, so then there was a big rally at the state house because there was a gun bill uh, moving through the house, and uh, we all got up and talked about you know why we support the Second Amendment and stuff. And and one of the things that I had said was, at the time I was in my mid twenties. I was I was a nurse. I um, I applied for my class A and, and I was denied. And I went on to obviously be, become an elected representative. And so my question was, you know, if if the police chief team that I was in unsuitable then who who are they deciding is mm. um and so I en- I ended up through that question being contacted later and I was issued um my class a but that that's just not fair because that was like a, a special I guess it's a right that was um treated as a privilege because I guess I was an elected official and um so I'm I'm actually really I'm really glad that the Supreme Court has uh, struck down some of the, the laws that states like Massachusetts and New York and things like that, where where your rights are determined um, arbitrarily by suitability that somebody else that doesn't even really know you can determine. Right. So um, definitely, I'm a huge um, Second Amendment supporter, and I think it's you know without the Second Amendment, um, all of our other rights are just on the table. So right. definitely, it's something that we have to fight for um, because. The culture of our country is like the, in the media and everything is very much against it. And we have to really be careful because the next generation coming up is, is going to think that nobody needs guns and they, they don't understand the history of our of our constitution and of our, our country. So it's important that we fight for this stuff and, and make sure that the next generation fights to protect it as well. Right. And, you know, you raise a number of good points, but here you're someone who's actually lived through the the arbitrary application of that suitability clause and were actually restricted in your uh, license to carry when you had no, you weren't a prohibited person. You didn't have a violent criminal past. You didn't have, you were a good upstanding citizen and about to run for office and you were a nurse. And it, like you said, if you don't meet the bill in this chief of police's mind, who does, who fits the bill? Right. And exactly. And I, I guess nobody, just because they have the power to say no. Right. And frankly, you know, he might have thought women shouldn't carry guns. Who knows? You know, and because. Right. He, I, yeah. It, and they don't have to they don't have to explain. They didn't have to explain to, to me why it was right. just uh, at the time, you know, where we're giving you this restricted license just for um, target practice and transporting or whatever it was. I forget now. Right. And so now this brings up a great question, because we have that Supreme Court decision you just referenced that came down last week where they have removed the suitability clause from any type of, uh, you know, requirement to, to, you know, you don't have to give a reason why you want to exercise your Second Amendment right to a government mm-hmm. or an unelected, uh, you know, official or police or chief of police or whatever. But, you know, yesterday I heard or read that Maura Healy and even Governor Baker have both said that this doesn't change anything in Massachusetts. They're not going to change anything about how licenses are issued in this state. And I don't know if you heard that or not, but I'm wearing my 
shirt for the world to see today. And it's a picture of the state of Massachusetts and it says tyranny. It's back. So mm-hmm. here's a, a governor and an attorney general who are both saying that this Supreme Court decision, a majority opinion, a landmark decision, six to three, that returns the individual right to keep and bear arms back to its constitutional intention. Mm-hmm. And they are saying that this changes nothing for Massachusetts, who does rely upon suitability. It does rely upon uh, firearms training classes. It does, in some cases, have a arbitrary application of even that and require you to take a live fire course as opposed to just the four-hour basic requirements. In some towns, they even require you to be a member of a gun club. And I don't see any of that in the Constitution. So Right. Right. And it could be argued that all of those things are infringements. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't the Supreme Court um, ruling, though, open the state up to lawsuits? I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, like the, the governor's race and lieutenant governor's race is obviously really important, but we, we also have to pay close attention to the attorney general's race. Exactly. Um, we have Jay McMahon running um, on the Republican ticket, who's a strong Second Amendment supporter. We need somebody in the attorney general's office who's also going to fight to uphold the rights of the people. Um, so, you know, I think that if they want to keep these laws in place, then then they need to be challenged um, in a court of law to to uh, make sure that they're not infringing on people's rights. I couldn't agree with you more there. And it's unfortunate that we have to sue in order to get our rights restored. And I know. But that is the precedent that's been set in the state we live in. And unfortunately, even you take a state like California and New Jersey, which are very hostile to individual freedom and right to keep and bear arms. But they even came out and said, okay, they've ordered their issuing licensing authorities to say you can no longer require suitability. But here in Massachusetts, we're digging our heels in and saying, ah, this doesn't change anything. The way we do business here is going to continue. And hopefully, right. you know, as as you know, if you guys are elected to the uh, corner office, that you can make some significant changes. And like you said, the attorney general is an extremely important position because Maura Healy, when she was left up to her own druthers, I feel she acted as all three branches of the of the government. She acted as the executive branch, which she is. She acted as the legislative branch by creating new law and in the interpretation mm-hmm. of the assault weapons ban. And C, mm-hmm. she acted as the legislate. I mean, the uh, judiciary by interpreting that law and how it's going to be applied. And I think that's very scary. Yeah, it's yeah. very scary. And everybody stood in the background and applauded and said, yeah. "Hey, good job, Maura. That's that's it, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a horrible testament to the way that um, our civic education in this country has really broken down to the point that nobody knows their rights. Nobody seems to care about them. Nobody understands the importance of them. Um, and, you know, as, as part of what Jeff and I would like to do is, um, hope, you know, replace the commissioner of education. And I'd really like to see a return to teaching some actual civics so that people understand that um, what Mara Healy did as attorney general is really outside the scope of her of her jurisdiction as as ag and Mm. i just there's just so much work to be done there really is and uh we um we really hope that some significant changes will be made and someone as extremist as maura healy does not make it into the corner office and i think that the second amendment is a very keystone issue that Mm -hmm. the last time of 
a very hostile attorney general ran for governor was Scott Harshbarger, and he ran on the anti-Second Amendment, anti-gun platform, and he was soundly defeated, thank God. And I believe we have this opportunity as well, as long as we keep shining the light of truth upon how hostile she is to our enumerated constitutional rights and isn't in her position of power to protect us against all those who are hostile against our our constitution and upholding her oath of office. She has violated her oath of office and there's no doubt she'll continue to do that when, if Mm -hmm. she's elected. And I hope to God she's soundly defeated. But I think the second amendment is one of those issues that can really, because I I believe the people of Massachusetts as a majority do believe in the right to keep and bear arms. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that they don't want the rights restricted any more than they already have been. And so that I think is a winning issue. So, um, Leah, how can people support your campaign and find you um, going forward? And, you know, uh, what what can they do that would be a help to you? Yeah, so uh, thank you. My website is leahcoleallen.com. Um, there's a place there where you can find out more about where I stand on the issues. There's a contact page. There's also a place for donations if anyone feels so inclined Um we're up against a huge machine. Uh, Mara Hilly has millions of dollars in her war chest, so um, we would be eternally grateful for that. But also, um, I'm on Facebook where I post updates and I, I answer messages through um, through Facebook Messenger, so I would appreciate anybody just reaching out, even just to, to let me know that you're with us, because it, it just keeps us going to fight another day. So I really appreciate the time you've given me, Toby. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And I, I definitely think that all of our enumerated rights are on the ballot this fall, and I know it's very cliche to say that, but um, you certainly have my vote, uh, Leah, and I will do what we can to support and promote you, and I appreciate your time today, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. All right, and we're going to a break, and you should go to rapidfireradio.us and check out the latest Rapid Fire gear, where your Pro 2A proud, where your Pro 2A shirts proud and your hat and flags from Rapid Fire Radio. Click on the Get Rapid Fire gear at rapidfireradio.us. We will be back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe.
If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I want to thank Leah and Cole, uh, Leah Allen Cole for coming on and uh, <clears throat> joining the show. It was a great talk with her, as quick as it was, um, about seeing where, uh, I'm sorry, Leah Cole Allen. I had Allen Cole, so I apologize, uh, Leah, for that, um, but if you want to help out in her campaign. She's running for lieutenant governor. It'd be awesome. And uh, we need people who are firmly Second Amendment to be uh, elected to the corner office on Beacon Hill. And uh, I know if you're listening, um, you know, throughout the nation to this, to this, you know, show, you have similar, you know, races in your states as well, where I believe Somebody who gets it right on the Second Amendment as it applies to um, strict scrutiny um, and uh, the original intent by the framers of our Constitution as they wrote it down, recognizing the right to keep and bear arms is a inherent birthright for all of humanity. And they put it down on paper so that there could be no mistake and also to regulate a militia, if people chose to form a militia, that they would be uh, able to follow the, um, you know, hold the government in in question and in, in check. But anyway, so, uh, you know, I think that we got to continue to elect, um, elect these type of politicians who will uphold their oath of office. So tell us what you think. Call or text 508-444-2120. We have a call from Ron. Hi there. This is Ron. I live in Natick, and uh, I wanted to talk about the problem with our education system relative to gun rights. All right. Well, I think, um, thanks for the call, Ron. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems with our education system is when we suspend five-year-olds for making their peanut butter and jelly sandwich into a gun shape and pointing it at their friend and going, kapow, and then suspending them for two weeks, right? Um, That doesn't make sense. And we have stuff called zero-tolerance policies in our education system where a bully picks on a kid for weeks and years and months. And then the kid finally gets frustrated and stands up for himself and punches the bully in the nose and they both get suspended. Um, I don't think that's right. I think that the bully should get suspended and the kid who punches him in the nose, you could probably have a little sidebar conversation with him and say, you know what, maybe punching them in the nose wasn't the right course of action. Maybe you could have gone to a teacher. You could have handled this different. 
and give him the wink and say, uh, but actually I'm, I'm pretty proud of you for standing up for yourself. That's the way I would do it. Zero tolerance policy is never a good way to govern our children in school. Uh, when someone who's being bullied and someone who's being harassed and hazed finally decides to stick up for themselves and punch the bully in the nose, I think they should be given a ribbon and an award for standing up for themselves, frankly. Or at least let's do away with the automatic suspension because that kid had had it coming to him for a really long time, and I think most people would agree that the bully should be the one to go and the, the one that drove the kid to the point where he actually defended himself. So anyway... Uh, thanks for the call, Ron. That's where I think. The, but I think what you were actually trying to say in your statement is, shouldn't we be teaching about firearms and gun safety in schools? And absolutely, yes. I remember I remember as a young kid in elementary school that a police officer came in to talk to us about gun, uh, gun safety. And basically, it was a you know, best foot forward effort with the tools and uh, procedures that we had at the time. But um, I think that it was, you know, pretty much you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, touch a gun. And if you see a gun, tell someone, which is good, good information to tell kids. But it should also have been, you know, if you're interested in guns, like seek out some competent uh adults that could take you to the range and show you about it. Like, don't just tell people that you can never shoot. And if you think about it, there were some amazing rifle ranges at high schools across America. And that is pretty cool. And they used to have high school shooting teams. There used to be all kinds of safety clubs and kids used to bring their own firearms to school to shoot in the high school shooting team. And guess what? There weren't mass shootings. There weren't any issues. It was just uh, a very structured opportunity for children to learn the discipline of firearms and gun safety, et cetera, et cetera. And that, I think, was a much better, healthier time than zero-tolerance policy, gun-free zones, it's never okay, and we don't even teach gun safety anymore. We teach all kinds of other things at very young ages, which we could... You could, you know, fill in the blank about what that what that is. And a lot of times without parental consent, consent or knowledge even of those issues. But something as important as, you know, the Second Amendment and our firearms, uh, you know, safety. I think we're missing a huge opportunity to teach that in the school system. But there you have it. That's that's about where it's going to go from there. So anyway, um, thank you guys for uh, joining us on the chat. We will get to your questions in a little bit. If you want to call in, 508-444-2120 is the number. You can text as well, and you can leave a message that we will get to either today or next time for sure. But there's tons of news dropping about the implications of the uh, Supreme Court ruling on the Bruin versus New York State Pistol and Rifle Association and what those implications are. And I, I do believe that we have a uh, an amazing road ahead 
of restoring our rights. And so I'm looking forward to seeing where that all goes. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a long road ahead. But look at California and New Jersey. Two out of the seven states or, you know, six states in one district, the District of Columbia, uh, which all had this suitability requirement or um, some other form of uh, requirement and, uh, you know, the proper cause requirement, if you will. Two out of the seven have already kind of said, all right, guys, you can't require uh, a reason for why you want to exercise your Second Amendment rights. So those two states did this on the day of the ruling, and the jury is still out on what the other four states and and District of Columbia are going to do it and how they're going to comply. I don't want to see it remanded back to lower courts. Everyone else should have to get in line with the Supreme Court ruling. Um, I hate the thought that you have to sue to get your right back, and we talked about that with um, Leah, uh, candidate for lieutenant governor, is that is just so wrong. Like, even after a landmark ruling by the Supreme Court, and, you know, you hear people who have said for years and decades, it's settled law, get over it. Well, now if this settled law and, you know, by the highest court in the in the country has ruled a certain way, they don't want to comply. They don't want to... They want to uh, impeach Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. They want to impeach the Supreme Court. They want to pack the Supreme Court. They want to defy the Supreme Court. And I say, um, okay, you can do that because you're playing with house money. But frankly, where would where would this be if it was any other right? If people people's right to vote were being infringed upon because some arbitrary licensing authority didn't want to give you a license to go vote and they wanted to charge you a fee. If it's been ruled, like people are saying it's racist to require a free ID to vote, but yet what if they said, oh, we're going to require that license to vote. We're going to charge you a fee. We're going to make you take a background check. We're going to make you... Uh, get fingerprinted and photographed. Oh, and by the way, we're going to give you a class to go over what it is your obligations are in order to vote. And this class has to meet certain criteria. It's going to be a four-hour class. You're going to pay a hundred and some odd dollars to go to this class. And then once you get the class, you get a certificate where you can then present it in person to the licensing authority and then we may or may not restrict your ability to vote based on, you know, what we deem suitable. We don't think you you will vote the right way or we don't like how you look. We don't like the neighborhood you live in. Uh, police have been called out to that address before, so we don't feel you should be a voting member of society. What would the ACLU do in that situation? People's individual people. Attorneys General's licensing authority would be on the hook for multi-million dollar lawsuits. I promise you that type of violation of your civil rights would run into money, as the saying goes. <laughs> that would run, run into a lot of money. Ah!
And yet, but because we're talking guns here, they want to stand up and say, oh, we're going to, nothing's going to change in this state. You're going to still have to show suitability. You're still going to have to give a reason. You're still going to take training classes. You're still going to pay fees and et cetera, et cetera. I like to see this major lawsuit by civil rights organizations like the ACLU. They should be taking on your restriction of your enumerated rights, like the Second Amendment. Uh, It shouldn't always be just the gun rights organizations. And anyone who swears to uphold the Constitution and then goes out and enacts unconstitutional regulations and sells permits and licenses should be challenged in court. That's where I stand on that. (laughs) How do you feel? Call 508-444-2120. And we're headed for a break, but before we go, you should head over to capegunworks.com and use this week's special discount code, GUNS. It's a real simple one, folks. G-U-N-S, GUNS. And we'll be right back. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Experiencing some technical difficulties with Barrett Kendrick, so we'll pump the brakes on that interview for a minute. And uh, he was going to give us an update on the PDN training tour, but we will try to get him back. And uh, so we're going to answer some of your questions that are coming in fast and furious on the chat, as usual. Um, I love it how people are starting to really get involved in the chat and ask some great questions. And uh, Chris mentions that he's been very happy with his Vortex purchases, and HPS says it's the best scope for the money. I would agree with that, and not to mention their unconditional lifetime guarantee. So, um, yeah, it's great. Um, And uh, Guns and Gadgets, I guess, did a post on the how the assault weapons ban is being challenged in California, so we're going to follow that uh, pretty closely as well as it relates to the... um, the Bruin case that was ruled upon last week, because I know they were waiting to see how this, how the court's opinion came out as a result of it. And so, um, how he's mentioning my 
shirt, which came out after 7-2016. I don't know who it was that published these shirts, printed these shirts, but it's the, it says tyranny. It's back. And, um, it's got the state of Massachusetts on it. But anyway, um, that's, um, that is the state that we live in. It is very, uh, tyrannical. And the, the, this came out after the, um, attorney general ruled that she was expanding the definition of the assault weapons ban that was enacted in 1998. And it was basically an adoption of the 94 assault weapons ban word for word. And nobody during that 10 year period in the entire country saw the assault weapons ban the same way that Maura Healy did. And Maura Healy became, like I mentioned, uh, uh, Leah Allen became judge, jury, and executioner all in the same one fail swoop. She was like Judge Dredd. Uh, she acted as the uh, executive branch by her, that is the branch that she's in, enforcing the law. But more importantly, she acted as the judicial branch by interpreting the law. She expanded the definition. She acted as the legislature by basically writing new law and regulation without due process, without the uh, House or the Senate acting on it, without it being signed into law by the governor. And everybody stood in the background and applauded this and said, hey, good job. You're trying to keep us safe. All right. Way to go. And, you know, that's when this shirt came out. And I wish I knew who made them because I would order more. But we bought dozens of copies of the shirt and sold them in our store. And uh, I would love to uh, basically recreate them if I can't find who originally did it. But I would love to uh, sell them again in our shop and maybe give the money to Firearms Policy Coalition or Second Amendment Foundation or Gun Owners of America uh, because these are the ones that are actually doing a phenomenal job and putting out really good uh, content. So, um, yeah, there you have it. <laughs> uh, but we'll get back to more of your questions. Uh, don't forget, you can now get Rapid Fire Radio swag. Woohoo! The wait is over. I know all of you are really excited about it. So you can go to rapidfireradio.us and click on Get Rapid Fire Gear. You can go ahead and wear your Pro 2A gear wherever you are, at the gym, at work, and give them to your friends and family for gifts. Uh, so show your support by go to the uh, rapidfireradio.us and click on Rapid Fire Gear. We'd love to have you do that. Um, we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Snap safe. 
Featuring a pry-resistant 3 inch solid steel door, 2,300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. Glad you're here. It is a 2A talk show. You can call into the show or text your question to 508-444-2120 anytime during the day or night. Please include your first name, location, and your question, 508-444-2120. If we don't answer your question or play it during the show, we'll try to get you next time, I promise. Um, We'll try to get to all your questions. So 508-444-2120 and go. Yes, hi. My name is uh, Roderick T. Beeman. I'm a former Rhode Islander living here in Jackson, Jacksonville, Florida. I'm a physician, an osteopathic physician, and someone commented just earlier that the Chinese would flood our our uh, shores with uh, weapons. That's not the half of it. They could actually simply decide to invade if the populace was disarmed, as they want. Uh, the uh, task commander at Pearl Harbor warned against the attack on the United States Japanese, so I can't hear what his name was. He said, every other house has a rifle or, or a uh, firearm. Don't uh, attack the United States unless you're committed to uh, sailing up the Potomac to the White House to accept surrender. Mm. I agree 100% there, uh, Roderick. It was... Um you bring up a good point. If we didn't have arms, then China, who has a 200 million man army, 200 million man army. We have what? 350 million people, men, women, children, and uh, aliens in this country. So that's almost three quarters of our entire country. And they have that many people on the ground with boots and rifles in hand. And they certainly could, but it would be awful hard to invade a country that has 50 to 100 million gun owners that are active and trained and, uh, you know, willing to defend their homelands. Anyway, uh, you bring up a good point, though, and I do think that the right to keep and bear arms does keep us safe against enemies, foreign and domestic. So there you have that. We alluded to this at the beginning of the show, but um, Bonta, General Rob Bonta, Attorney General Rob Bonta, uh, dropped the names of all licensed gun owners in his state. And uh, Ammo Land has a good article about it uh, by Lee Williams. And his move was, I'm just reading from the article now, that make no mistake, this was 100% BS about the fact that he was trying to promote gun violence research and foster trust between law enforcement and the communities we serve. Oh, and by the way, here's every concealed weapons holder and you know license holder in the, in the state. Um, but this move was clearly retaliation for Supreme Court's decision in New York State uh, Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, which affirmed the right to keeping bear arms outside the home. 
And Bonta's true intent was to put Californians on notice that if they want to exercise this right, they will pay a price, and the price will be their privacy, safety, and security. Um, It goes on to say, you see, Bonta has created a handy reference guide for burglars, home invaders, and other criminals. Now they've got a searchable database of firearms owners and homes where guns are kept. But I also say that he's putting the non-gun owning community on notice as well by basically putting a gun-free zone sign in front of their, their house. And I forget who it was, but a couple of years ago, somebody, <laughs> it was an undercover journalist. I, it might have been like Stephen Crowder or someone like that, louder with Crowder, but I, I can't remember who did it. But somebody went up to these politicians' homes that were in favor of restricting your right to keep and bear arms and that were in favor of gun-free zones and putting... They brought lawn signs that said, this home is a gun-free zone. And they knocked on the door and filmed the whole interaction and said, how you doing, bud? I love what you're doing with the gun-free zones at schools. And really just trolled this person and said, I brought you a yard sign that says, this home is a gun-free zone. I'd like to put it in your yard so you can stand firm and show the world how you feel about people who carry guns and have guns in their home for personal protection. So I'd like to put this out in your yard with your permission. And the guy's going, oh, I, I don't think that's a good idea. And he's going, why not? It's a great idea. Let's do it. Let's stand and, you know, stand up and be counted that this is a house of, this is a house is a gun-free zone. And they're like, well, I don't think so because crazy people might come and attack me if they know I don't have a gun. And it's like, uh, hello. Yeah, that's exactly right. They might do that, right? So he, these guys trolled these politicians, went from house to house to house. And I think that's exactly what Bonta has done to his people in California. He has done a huge disservice to the people who own guns and to the people who don't. And I feel he should be recalled immediately. The people of California should not put up with this. But... I don't live in California, so my voice doesn't really work well there. But I'm in the other coast that is equally gets it wrong when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment. But anyway, that's the end of the show and the first segment. If you're tuning in on the radio, remember you can catch the second hour online. So tune in to CapeGunWorks.com. Click on the rapid fire icon. You can call or text the rapid fire line 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. You can also ask questions and you can check out some of our online content. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. Make sure you stay tuned and get on that second hour. We'll see you next time or we'll see you in the second hour. May God bless you and we'll see you next time. Thanks. your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry.
May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road Hyannis or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Fire. We're in the second hour. It's a 2A talk radio show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Sponsored by Vortex Optics. Make sure you tune in each week to capegunworks.com or rapidfireradio.com. And click on uh, Rapid Fire to join the conversation. If you want to call the Rapid Fire line, you can do that. It's 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Remember to like us and subscribe on all the usual uh, social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks, except for Instagram. It's at CGW underscore backup since we got Zuckerberg. All right. Uh, welcome to the second hour. This one, we're going to take a whole lot more of your questions. We're going to talk about uh, some of the local stuff going on here in Massachusetts, but we're also going to be talking a lot about the Supreme Court decision we're going to talk about uh, the what also happened, which was the red flag laws that were um, not necessarily signed into law, but the government, federal government, is offering, I believe it's twenty 
excuse me, $20 billion to states um, to bribe them into creating their own red flag laws so that they can go ahead and def- um, deprive you of your first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, and 14th amendments. Uh, so all in one fell swoop. They basically, <laughs> the irony of it is, what did the Supreme Court just rule on? They ruled on the fact that a licensing authority cannot use discretion or subjectivity in any way, shape, or form in order to deprive you of your Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms outside the home in the communities. But simultaneously, the federal government signed into law with the help of 14 Republican senators, 50 uh, Democrat senators, and I believe 14 Republican uh, representatives, along with the whole House of Representatives on the Democrat side, to go ahead and introduce subjectivity and discretion to, from my count, 1st, 2nd, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 14th Amendments. Six different enumerated rights. So while they ruled it's unconstitutional to have discretion, subjective, uh, you know, application or uh, proper cause requirements in order to exercise the Second Amendment right, they just went ahead and bribed the states to form laws that would introduce subjectivity and a very low threshold to deprive you of six of your enumerated rights. How ironic. I mean, it was simultaneous. It was almost at the same time. It was, uh, it's unbelievable. When you'd think that tyrants would pause and go, um, Maybe we should take another look at this because I don't think this is we're heading in the right direction. Nope. They go ahead and run roughshod over your rights because they feel they are sitting on the seat of high power and can rule over the serfs and the peasants who they claim to represent, but they really look at it as they rule over. Even in um, the case of the Texas Senator John Corrin, Cornyn, uh, who opined about how he cannot violate or infringe upon your Second Amendment rights, then he goes on to opine about how this does nothing to violate law-abiding responsible gun owners of the right to keep and bear arms. And then he goes on to talk about red flag laws and how they're going to subjectively violate your right to keep and bear arms and eliminate due process, eliminate uh, the right to confront your accuser, eliminate uh, the right to have representation, um, eliminate your right to illegal searches and seizures, eliminate your right to, um, you know, uh, have due process before your property is taken from you, uh, all that right out the window, not to mention equal protection under the law, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that right out the window, 
in one fell swoop with the proliferation of red flag laws, which 19 states have already adopted. And if you back up a little bit and go, is this just another heaping on of laws for the sake of justifying our existence in this job? Like most gun laws are because they're redundant. Like we want to make laws like, uh, Assault and battery with a deadly weapon, even though assault and battery should be enough to, you know, if you assault and batter somebody, it's a felony, right? And now we're going to add with a deadly weapon. Okay. Um, what does that matter? Like, why do we need the redundancy of that law? Oh, we can throw one more law at them. Okay. But you're going to plea bargain them all down into some lesser charge anyway. So this is uh, legal. Uh, I don't. I can't use the word I want to use uh, because of the <laughs> will get taken down. But it is it is a let's call it a smorgasbord of law that we aren't going to enforce anyway, and that. We are going to plea bargain down for the most violent of our societies. We are going to set no bail, low bail for all of those wrapped up with these, you know, many laws. When, if we look at the laws on the books, are there laws already created in our communities to keep us safe against these violent felons and these violent criminals that are proposing to be a threat to themselves or others? The answer to that is yes. And now we just sold the people down the river to now give power to people and bureaucrats and unelected officials and uh, people in charge of various sectors of our society on a regulatory basis, regulatory agencies. We just gave them the power to violate all of those rights that I've, I've said and we're okay with that in the name of keeping us safe. We're okay with that in the name of, uh, you know, keeping our kids safe or keeping our community safe or fill in the blank. The problem is it doesn't work. California has red flag laws and they lead the country in mass shootings. New York has red flag law. And the Buffalo shooter was brought to the attention of the authorities a year prior when he threatened to shoot a school and then take his own life. The school, uh, you know, teacher or resource officer, whoever it was, did the right thing and sounded the alarm. And then he was signed off on by some psychologist and psychiatrist and able to pass a background check. So that doesn't work. It doesn't work. So now we're going to be subject to this so that anyone who thinks we're, we have a reasonable suspicion that we might cause uh, you know, some sort of mayhem out there in the com- community can now red flag you. Um, scary, scary situation. And I can't wait till the Supreme Court rules on red flag laws because I do think they're going to have to do that. Um, it, nothing could be more unconstitutional if you're asking me. Uh, But if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, we do have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including one tonight. Uh, 
ladies-only classes and couple classes. Sign up at capegunworks.com. We have Keith Langer, who's going to talk about the Bruin versus New York State Pistol and Rifle Association next. You don't want to miss out on that. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal Ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we're happy to have on the phone, as we usually do, Attorney Keith Langer. How are you today, Keith? I'm doing fine this gorgeous day. I hope things are well on the Cape. They're beautiful, and uh, we're really excited summer's here, but summer has brought the heat, no pun intended. We have a ruling that dropped last week from the Supreme Court, the New York State Pistol and Rifle Association versus Bruin, which has fallen on the right side of history, and it's a very favorable outcome for gun owners and right-to-keep-and-bear-arms advocates throughout the country. How does that affect us here in Massachusetts, Keith, is your first look and quick cursory glance at it? Well, despite the fact that anybody with even a minimal grasp of law, logic, and language, it's a statement of the obvious. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, it's a, the Second Amendment is a fundamental right. That's why it's in the Bill of Rights. As a fundamental right, it clearly should have been subjected to strict scrutiny analysis always, mm. which is what I always argued. And the courts always did this namby-pamby intermediate scrutiny, which is really de minimis. So it's wonderful to see Heller and McDonald and our own case, Caetano, reaffirmed. Mm. That said, wonderful as it is, this is Massachusetts, home of the hoplophobes and an attorney general who is proud of her anti-gun animus and is running for governor in large part on that posturing. She will fight, and Massachusetts courts have no a great love for the Second Amendment and completely ignore its equivalent in the Massachusetts Constitution. So if you're going to run out and tell your chief, you have to give me a license, no, don't, he doesn't. They will do nothing unless and until a Massachusetts court orders them to or the first district federal court in Boston. 
They are not going to suddenly change their spots and reverse direction because of the Bruin decision of and by itself. And there's going to be a falling out period. We want to see how things settle elsewhere. Astoundingly, as you know, New Jersey saw the light and it revised its policy. Not surprisingly, New York, the big loser, is retrenching, revenging, and just as Chicago did after McDonald, just as D.C. did after Heller, they're trying to write regulations to negate the Bruin ruling. The only real progress I've seen in the, what, four days we've had to see any progress is out in California, where the Ninth Circuit Court overturned the California assault weapons ban. Hmm. So California and New Jersey came out and said, okay, yeah, uncle, they cried uncle and said, we can no longer use um, suitability as a standard, but you can still apply it. That is not what California said at all. No. The California court struck down the California assault weapons ban. On the other side, the California attorney general, in the guise of transparency, released to the public all the personal information of every firearms license holder in that state. Name, address, occupation, phone number. He gave criminals a laundry list of homes to rob. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, With that being said, uh, so you think Massachusetts isn't going to do anything about it. It certainly seems that way. Uh, do you think that, I mean, obviously that just primes the pump for an endless amount of lawsuits to hit the, jam up the Massachusetts courts, all because of the Which arrogance. is why we need to be very, very, very careful. Uh, people who run to the courts with a poor set of facts, with a poorly prepared brief, are going to contaminate the system with a series of appallingly bad decisions mm. because the old saw bad cases make bad law. They make even worse law where as in Massachusetts, we have courts that don't want to make good law regarding firearms. Look at what they did with the case regarding a negligent discharge of a firearm in the home. Yes. The guy was an idiot and he was showing off the gun and he wounded his friend. Now, we have a law against discharging a firearm within 500 feet of another building. That has always been meant to apply to somebody actually intentionally shooting a firearm near another home or building. Mm -hmm. It was never intended to be used as a criminal charge against someone who was just stupid and shot themselves in the hand playing with their Glock which is what I successfully defended before this case came down years ago. This case was taken from the district court and the Supreme Judicial Court held that the statute should be applied strictly as written that the statute was malum prohibitum simply because any discharge of a firearm was supposedly prohibited by the statute, 
you would be criminally charged for an accidental act. That's bad cases making bad law, and that's what happens when people who don't think how bad their fact pattern is, and attorneys who take cases without realizing what the long-term consequences of these failures are going to be, start running the court. So the best thing for Massachusetts gunners right now is to stand down, see what's happening in the other states under Bruin, because we're one of the eight states that still have the abominable, excuse me, seven states that still have abominable uh, May issue, and learn from other litigators how to play this game, because there's not a lot of room for error. It seems, I'm a layman, obviously, I'm not a lawyer, and it seems like after this decision, it couldn't be more clear to me, especially when you see, you know, wording that Clarence Thomas says that you cannot treat the Second Amendment any different than any other right. And so now all of a sudden you got a state like Massachusetts that definitely treats the Second Amendment way different than any other right. And I go down to the local PD to apply for my license to carry, which I call into question whether that's legal under this ruling to begin with. But I digress. And so I pay the fee. I submit my training paper that, again, I think is unconstitutional. But here I am. I go through all the steps. And then the the licensing authority says, yeah, I'm not going to give you the unrestricted license to carry. We're going to go ahead and restrict you to target hunting. You're saying I don't have a recourse in that or uh, I should wait to file some sort of appeal or some sort of um, lawsuit as a result of that? Like, I think that is them flying in the face of a Supreme Court decision. It looks to me like it's an easy win for anyone who takes that to court. And I understand your nervousness about getting bad precedent, but how can you go against the Supreme Court? Well, all you have to do is look at the Tom decision, which is the best thing we have going for us because the SJC went way off in the wrong direction and was summarily dealt with by a unanimous Supreme Court, which didn't even need to hear Massachusetts' argument. It looked at the pleading, said this is ridiculous, granted certiorari, and reversed and remanded the case back to the SJC which then left it to the legislature. But that's what it takes. And there's nothing that says licensing is unconstitutional. That's not what Bruin said at all. It said that licensing has to be fair and objective, and any impediments are subject to strict scrutiny, which is absolutely necessary to the state function, which none of this garbage that we deal with in Massachusetts is. There is no necessity for two, three, five letters of recommendation to the state function, still less that they be notarized, still less that the police get to pick and choose who they will and won't deign to accept letters from. There is no basis for live fire. It's not part of the statute. People function for centuries without live fire tests. Right. That should That would be something that you could challenge. Police departments that don't deign to accept a safety certificate after six months, 12 months, whatever. There's nothing in the statute that says that. Once you get a safety certificate, it's good forever, period. 
those are the things that you can go after. But you've got to be careful how you do it because any slip will be used as an excuse to negate the effect of Bruin on probably on some technical basis. And that's the sort of contamination that makes it difficult for the serious cases to come later. Right. Well, what I'm confused about um, is, and, you know, there's a couple things in this Bruin decision, as awesome as it is, there's a couple things that really kind of let me down a little bit about it. And one was um, in Brett Kavanaugh's concurring opinion, he wrote um, that he joined the court's opinion and he writes separately to underscore two important points about the limits of the court's decision. First, the court's decision does not prohibit states from imposing licensing requirements for carrying a handgun for self-defense. And the other disappointment was the un- or open-endedness to a sensitive area of where they can restrict you from carrying. Um, So, you know, it would have been one thing if they declared, like, okay, any federal building or school or, you know, whatever. But this sensitive area thing, you know, could be interpreted a million different ways. I understand that they said you can't declare an entire region a sensitive area, like Manhattan Island or something like that. But, But on the other hand it leaves the door open to restriction in my opinion. And so, uh, you know, I don't understand how, you know, we have a decision from Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, 319 U.S. 105 from 1943, which affirmed that um, a state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted by the federal constitution. So, and then Justice Thomas said that you can't treat the Second Amendment any different than the First Amendment. Even though that was a First Amendment case in 1943, they're saying that a state can't impose a charge. So how do you come off in a state and charge for a license to carry or sell a license um, for people to exercise their federally protected constitutional rights? Well, that probably hasn't been litigated. As such, remember these things are are fought one at a time, right. like the uh, the poll tax, and it's going to be fought on the same basic analysis, because with the Second Amendment again reaffirmed as a fundamental right, and now that strict scrutiny is the level of review, not intermediate, then you've got a better chance of chipping away at all these other infringements, including charging to exercise a fundamental right. We struck down the poll tax. And theoretically, we could do a firearm licensing fee on the same basis. Mm. The only difference is the poll tax was specifically targeted to keep certain people out. Everybody pays $100 unless you're a child or over 70. Right. So everybody's hoping for this this tsunami to come through and sweep away the abusive practices, the impediments, the games certain departments play. It's not going to be that quick and it's not going to be that soon. We need to see exactly how best to apply it and not contaminate the appeals Mm. with shoddy 
poorly drafted cases using people who are really inapplicable for a Bruin analysis. Mm. Well, great point they there. Never took, they couldn't be criteria, uh, but the criteria have to be objective and directly related to the government. The protected places are the ones that were protected places back when we were a colony, courts, polling places. Well, that's a great point, Keith, and I appreciate your, uh, your wisdom on this subject, as always, and we'll definitely have to continue this conversation next time. Uh, I appreciate it a lot, and have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us. And if you are interested in a private archery lesson, they're back on the schedule. Check out the calendar to schedule a one-on-one archery lesson with Dylan, our archery guru. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the class link to book one today. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome back, guys, to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and I'm glad you're here. We're going to be getting all your questions in this segment. I know it's been a lot going on, and I haven't really... I'm not neglecting you on purpose. (laughs) It's just been nonstop, so a lot of guests today. And, uh, you know, that conversation with Keith... For someone like myself, with the going back to the first hour, my question of make it simple so I can understand why a simple ruling like Bruin doesn't just wipe out all the nonsense out there and all the garbage out there and make it like go back to the way it should be. But no, we got to sue and, you know, uh, to get our rights back and rights restored even after a landmark ruling like that. So anyway, uh, let's get to your questions here. Um, anti-gunners will always be anti-gun. Maura Healy will never change. I would agree with that, Glenn. Um, Dean is mentioning Jay McMahon is good for Attorney General, and I would agree with that. Joe Pacheco wants to know how he can get this shirt, and stay tuned, I want to recreate him if I can't find the guy who we originally bought him from. Uh, So Derek's wondering if the Supreme Court opinion has some impact on our bogus weapons ban and magazine ban. I would say absolutely, but not 
directly. Unfortunately, it's going to have to be a process of challenges, um, one of which is already in the appellate court. Firearms Policy Coalition has appealed the uh, dismissal of the challenge to the crazy firearms roster we have, the approved weapons roster. So, of course, you know, a activist court in Massachusetts dismissed it. So it's being appealed to the First uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, and hopefully they hear it. And if they don't, it'll go to the Supreme Court. I know that was the end result anyway, but unfortunately it just takes time and money to get there. So um, what group came up with the term progressive relative to politics couldn't be further from reality. Regressive is the proper term for all these radical ideas that are being forced on our republic. I agree with that, Steve. Um, who knows? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, and uh, Aaron, you came in late and missed the interview with Leah um, Cole Allen and or Alan Cole. I always get it wrong. Let me look that back up. Uh, is it um, Leah Cole Allen? Yeah. Uh, so don't forget, you can call or text the show 508-444-2120. It's 508-444-2120. And uh, let's see, I got a lot of questions to catch up with. Servasi wants to know if we're still in a state of emergency, and if they are, they can still attack our 2A rights without going through the proper legal process. I don't believe we are, number one. Number two, they can't attack our 2A rights, even if we are, as was ruled by uh, Judge Woodlock in Massachusetts of the lawsuit that we were a part of early on um, and had a good decision in our favor. So, um, And he says also we need to vote local, which I agree with that. Um, don't vote for Maura Healy, Hustle says, which nothing could be, I, I couldn't agree any more wholeheartedly. And Toby, when are you going to run for office? <laughs> That's pretty funny, Tom. I appreciate the vote of confidence, but I don't see myself uh, fitting that role. Um, and Rodrigo wants to know if we can now in Massachusetts get any CZ handgun. He's looking for a CZ shadow too. And I would say no, unfortunately not. I think it paves the way for these unconstitutional restrictions on what is common and ordinary, especially the Bruin case references the um, the Heller and McDonald cases, which talk about what are common and ordinary. And, you know, CZs, Glocks, Tauruses, AR-15s, these are all guns that are common and ordinary. And it is not a restriction that the government puts on us. It's a restriction that we put on the government. So um, the one thing, and I think... Uh, Somebody mentions that, oh yeah, Derek does, piggybacking on his last comment, that the second level of scrutiny is now supposed to be done away with, so this should apply to our mag ban and assault weapons ban. And yes, that is something that I think has been, um, that point might not have been uh, brought to the forefront, especially by me, as much as it should be. So in other words, a lot of gun control uses that, two-tier scrutiny or the uh, 
the way they what they call uh, you know there's strict scrutiny and then there's uh, whatever the second level of scrutiny is uh, constructive scrutiny or whatever but the uh, or prescriptive scrutiny maybe but the strict scrutiny has been what should be applied to the Second Amendment uh, because the that is it is an enumerated right and so there's like precedent and law and then his, historic uh, um, guide guidance for the um, application of this law so just that alone you look at the historic application of the Second Amendment in our country and gun control is a more recent uh, and very arbitrarily applied. So yes, I think strict scrutiny as it looks at magazine ban and assault weapons ban should do away with those two things, you know, right away, right out of the gate. If you look at the scrutiny of, uh, and how that would be applied. So, um, especially in the history of our country. So uh, an assault weapon ban, I think the first time that was applied was in uh, the 30s with the NFA registry, which I would say uh, there were many more years of no gun control and then versus the 100-odd years of gun control that we've had now. Um, so we've got 140 years of history of no gun control and then about 110 years of history of gun control very sporadically and not consistently applied. And even in the this Bruin decision, it talks about how it was applied in transient uh, cowboy towns in the Old West, and it would towns would crop up and they'd apply some sort of level of gun control, and then those towns would cease to exist. And it was very temporary. And so that shouldn't be used as a level of scrutiny that the court would um, put any weight or um, any type of, you know, evidence that we are a, have a long history of gun control in this country. So, yeah, I would agree. Duncan says he used to shoot uh, from fourth grade to eighth grade at his school at the Blue Ridge Trail, uh, Blue Trail Range in Connecticut, and then again throughout high school at a range on campus. Interesting. Um, when we started this place we call home at Cape Gunworks, we had thought about offering maybe private schools or um, some schools that did have a history of having a shooting team to use us as the home range so that you know, if, if a school wanted to resurrect their shooting team, they could do so and use us as the home range. I'd be happy to do that. And I would, I would definitely do that for any, uh, secondary school or, you know, prep school that wanted to, wanted to use our school for that or public school for that matter. Although I highly doubt that, that the school board's going to vote that in anytime soon. And shooting gallery, New England says all the MPX rifles that came into Cape Gunworks are now ready for sale. So there you have it. That's your call to action. So you can go ahead and get your MPX if you go to... Are they up on the website yet? 
They are. All right, go to capegunworks.com, and don't forget our discount code, GUNS, if you want a special savings on said MPX rifles. All right, we got a email uh, from James uh, Amarello. Is the current running candidate against incumbent Ann Gobi for the Western, which, uh, sorry, for the Worcester and Hampshire District? And he would be obliged to coordinate having James join us for a show and his contact information. That'd be cool. Um, happy to talk to any 2A positive gun cab uh, candidate or pro 2A candidate. And G-Web says that the state will determine if you're sane enough to vote also. And that's in line with my rant from the previous hour about how if some licensing official had to issue you a license to vote, they would determine if you're sane enough. Right, exactly. That's what's crazy about it. Um, Hustle says, what's Cape Gunworks storage fees for holding firearms during a legal situation? Uh, it's $10 per gun per month. And if you have a large collection, we can talk about it, um, give you a special rate. Um, let's see. Uh, time to stop Mora, I would agree. And I, I think we should throw every bit of weight and energy behind electing a pro-gun candidate such as Jeff Deal. And Vineyard, who is a, I believe he was a Boston city police officer, he's personally seen a malicious 209A which is a uh, restraining order being filed against an innocent person who happened to be a gun owner. And uh, red flag could be subject to the same abuse, no doubt about it. And it's awful hard to prove that they were maliciously and intentionally and fraudulently red flagging someone. So I don't care if it's a half a million dollar fine. I don't think a court is going to rule against that person unless there's some Facebook post and a op-ed piece about how they're going to red flag somebody fraudulently, which I highly doubt anyone's that stupid. Um, her sickening that her Healy will win in a landslide. I don't know about that, Ravenless. I, the last time there was a staunch 2A gun, uh, 2A gun control candidate, uh, Scott Harshbarger, he lost. And I'm hoping that that history will repeat itself because I do believe there's a lot of Massachusetts people who believe in the right to keep and bear arms, who believe in their Second Amendment rights. They may or may not be a conservative, which I could care less. They could vote for that single issue. I really hope that candidates begin to bring this into the limelight about how important this issue is in our governor's race and somebody who is so vehemently opposed to your ability to keep and bear arms as Healy is should win I mean should lose big time so let's see how that goes Summer Rife Youth Summer Youth Rifle Class is back on six consecutive Saturdays 8am to 10am kids will learn how to shoot from multiple positions and learn how to clean and maintain their rifle Give your kids or grandkids the knowledge they need to shoot safely. Sign up at capegunworks.com and click on the class calendar. This is Rapid Fire. We'll be right back. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. 
legendary performance. This is Hornady. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and we were talking and taking your questions, which we will continue to do so. Um, Let's see. uh, Today, the governor of New York is proposing a bill to protect sensitive areas such as state, federal, and local government offices, schools, places where children gather, etc. Concealed carry would not be allowed. That is the concern that I've had um, based on that ruling uh, about, you know, how sensitive areas are still able to restrict your right to keep and bear arms. I wish that the court had said, if you do, you know, kind of go along with what the state of Kentucky did, which is if you do restrict people or disarm people, then you must, must guarantee their safety by the presence of metal detectors, armed security, special response teams, um, electronic, you know, uh, surveillance of the situ, you know, video surveillance of the uh, venue or wherever it is and have uh, SOP in place for if something happens in those situations, how, you know, it would mitigate or minimize the ability for bad people to inflict harm on uh, good people. That's, I think, should be the standard for any gun-free zone. Like, I don't think schools should be gun-free zones because they don't guarantee the safety of our children as soon as they've disarmed all the people who could potentially end the threat or stop a mass shooting event in a school zone. But you take a look at airports, do a pretty good job of ensuring that all the people that are through the security are disarmed. They've caught, you know, people like Michael Moore's bodyguard trying to board a plane with a firearm and the hypocrite that he is. So they catch this. They even caught Madison Cawthorn, you know, twice going through a metal detector with a firearm. Um, So they do a pretty good job of making sure that everyone who's gone through the security is disarmed and therefore it's pretty much created a safe environment. But you shouldn't be able to do that without going through those steps, without ensuring that level of safety. Um, and so that's my problem with the sensitive areas and the you know gun-free zones as a whole, is they just want to declare gun-free zones and say, 
it's a gun-free zone, so therefore we're safe because bad people who wish to do evil things to good people look for those opportunities of where people are going to be disarmed. So anyway, Mick wants to know if he can purchase an 80% AR-15 in Massachusetts and uh, do the mag lock on it. Yes, you can. Um, I would just make sure that you originally manufactured the gun to be a fixed magazine AR-15. And once you do that, you're good to go. Um, Should a business wish to permit concealed carry holders, uh, they can post a sign allowing them. Um, Yeah, that would be, uh, I think that's already a law in most states. If a place of business wants to restrict concealed carry holders, they can post a sign and say, no guns allowed on the premises. But the funny thing is, going back to the first hour when I was talking about trolling those uh, politicians with yard signs that say this is a gun-free zone, what business owner is going to say this is a gun-free zone? You'd have to be insane. You would have to be nuts to do that um, because you don't want to put a target on your back. You don't want to put a target on your store on the front uh, door of your store saying, hey, come rob us, guys, because we are a gun-free zone. Insane. You wouldn't do that. So don't forget to check out Date Night every Friday and Ladies Night on Thursdays. You can also try our range experience package. No gun license is required for that because you will be under the tutelage of one of our extremely competent range safety officers who will make your shooting experience one to remember. More after this. Don't go away. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. And 
Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we're in the second hour, so we're going to be taking more of your questions from the chat line and from the live stream. Um, And KJ points out that a suit was filed today against New York City. I guess they have not changed their licensing restrictions yet, even though the state of New York has. Um, That's good information. I have been following along the story that um, GOA was threatening to sue a sheriff's department for ignoring the, the Supreme Court ruling. I didn't. I don't know if that's the same thing that you're referring to, but um, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office put out on June 24th, the day of this ruling, that um, they basically said the proper cause requirement has been ruled unconstitutional, and immediately the, the Supreme Court sent the case back down to the second court uh, to render its decision consistent with the Supreme Court ruling, and the Second uh, Circuit can decide to send it back to federal district court, court, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then they say, until a policy is in place to modify your permit, some permits will still say it is restricted. People should comply. This is crazy. This is people should comply with their status, which was in place on Wednesday, carry concealed or restricted to hunting, fishing, camping, work, premises, or competition until the lower court reissues their decision based on Supreme Court. So figure 45 to 60 days. So GOA saw this and was like, uh-uh, no. The, this is not subject to the lower court creating their policy and you know how it's been remanded to the lower court because it goes on to say in this article, uh, in the letter, GOA's attorney Stephen Strambulia highlights that SCOTUS determined the proper cause requirement uh, to violate the 14th Amendment of the United States Comp- uh, Constitution. And he highlights the error in the office's thinking. He emphasizes that the office's Facebook post says the SCOTUS decision can't take effect until the circuit court rewrites their decision. That That's legally wrong. Mr. Strambulia states that what the sheriff said is not the law. He further states that the Supreme Court opinion binds all lower courts immediately, and there's no secondary requirement for the second court to rewrite their decision. Amolian News followed up with another attorney that specializes in constitutional law, and that lawyer agrees with Strambulia's interpretation. Mr. Strambulia warns Fulton County Sheriff Giardano, this is, this is gold right here, and this is what I've been getting at. I just haven't been able to articulate it yet. That Gard- Gardino that he can lose his qualified immunity if he's sued over this issue. If a law enforcement officer violates a constitutional right that is clearly established, that officer loses qualified immunity. The loss of qualified immunity opens that officer to monetary damages if a judge rules against them. With the Bruin decision, the right to carry a firearm outside the home for self-defense is clearly established. So that puts on notice all 350-odd towns in the state of Massachusetts that if they take Healy's advice and continue to restrict or be a may-issue requirement and restrict people's right to keep and bear arms, that they are putting their qualified immunity in jeopardy. And that chief could be sued 
personally and be held liable for the monetary uh, damages associated with the legal fees and the I think there should be a monetary um, you know punitive action for anyone who would seek to uh, seek to impose a regulation on your exercise of your constitutional rights. So interesting. We'll see how that comes out. And they, they seemed ready to drop a lawsuit. They said uh, that they gave uh, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office, I think, three days to comply with the, um, with the SCOTUS opinion under the threat of lawsuit. So, I'm sorry, it was five days to comply with the demand before the gun rights group files suit. So they had this thing like a loaded gun with the hammer cocked and said, hey, if you don't amend what you're talking about here, we are going to file a lawsuit. And maybe that's what um, has happened. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to look into that further. Uh, So maybe that's what KJ is referring to. So from the chat line, uh, can Toby comment on the possible ban for sale of surplus Lake City ammunition for civilian purchase via Winchester. Yep. Um, The Department of Justice has indicated that, uh, you know, the Biden administration has put on notice that it is going to prohibit the Lake City ammo plant from selling off any surplus ammunition. Winchester currently has the contract with the Lake City ammo factory and 30% of all the 556 that enters the market because it's not just Winchester they sell it off to Vista and to you know um, federal etc cetera, etc cetera. anyone who's using that XM193 designation with Lake City brass it's coming from that Lake City plant uh, through Winchester and if anyone is restricting those uh, I mean if anyone you know, you know, if this takes place, um, then 30% of that ammunition is going to be restricted. Uh, I heard it talked about, but I haven't heard anything else since then. I even talked to my uh, ammo reps and said, what's going on? Are you guys really not going to be able to sell any more of this? And they go, I don't know. So they're pretty tight-lipped because uh, they don't know, you know, it's all illegal and et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's a, it certainly should be a grounds for a ma- massive lawsuit by Winchester against the federal government because they have their Lake City contract. And I'm sure that the 30% of uh, the 556 ammo market that they sell off through um, to, the, to the civilian market is a huge source of income for them. It isn't just for their contracts with the military. It's a huge source of income for them. And I'm sure that it would cause them to have to renegotiate their contract if they can't sell that amount of ammo to the to the public. So that sounds to me like breach of contract. And they can't do that. If it's a contract that they've signed and they're allowed to sell the surplus, they can't just unilaterally or through executive order or through executive action just say, hey, guess what? No longer selling that ammo to the civilian market. That would be, I mean, it sounds like a billion-dollar contract, if you ask me. Multi-million-dollar, um, you know, multi-million-dollar lawsuit in the in the works. Um, 
So that's the end of the show, guys. But if you want to stay tuned after, we'll get to a, a few of the questions that I didn't get to on, on the show. We'll do kind of an after action, uh, you know, Q&A, and we'll see where it goes and how long I can do that for. But uh, thanks for tuning in. And remember, the show ends here, but you can always tune in at capegunworks.com slash rapid fire for more content. You can always drop a line to us, 508-444-2120, any time of the day or night. You can also text us to the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. Keep up the fight in your community. We need it now more than ever. Support your local gun shop. Be an advocate in your community. Uh, Put on the face of responsible gun ownership. Take someone new to the range uh, and take someone shooting and like, subscribe, and comment on all of the content out there of all the people doing a good job of being an advocate in our communities. Remember, together as Americans, we can overcome anything. Guys, God bless, and we will see you next time on Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary, and we'll see you soon.